0: to be here with you. I wanted to show the video that I want to introduce is is a video where I was standing out in 1997 in the plains of uh, Colorado Springs, looking behind my back was the Great Pikes Peak where I was a pastor in the Colorado Springs area. And I was standing there in this field uh, casting a vision for my church to purchase this piece of land that was about 20 minutes from my original campus uh, to uh, launch a second campus. My journey began uh, in multi-site church when I was a senior pastor in Colorado Springs um, in the 90s. I came from, as Dean said, I'd been a pastor in Germany for a few years, and I came to Colorado Springs where I thought I'd spend the rest of my life where I wanted to spend the rest of my life. And, um, and I came in 1991 to a church of about 400 people, and uh, over the next several years I grew it down to 200 while I grew to several thousand. Anybody been there, done that? <laughs> And uh, we went, I went through all the joys and challenges of, of a growing megachurch. Uh, we, we added multiple staff, we added multiple, uh, days, uh, uh, multiple services, multiple days of worship, Saturday, Sunday, multiple building campaigns. We were a multitasking, multi-personality church. <laughs> Raised millions of dollars to invest in a facility and a location. And at the end of the day, we found ourselves the same place where we started several years earlier. Out of room, out of space, and now there's no more room to expand on our 20 acres of land. Freeway to one side, mountain on the next, cliff on the next, we're done. There's nothing else we can do in terms of expanding that location. And in a great spot in Colorado Springs, on the north side of Colorado Springs, kind of backed up to the Air Force Academy. And uh, great new facilities, lots of investment there, no desire to want to leave that place. So what do you do in the mid-90s when you find yourself out of room, out of space and no more ability to expand in that current location? It was about that same time that um, I got a call from my, a friend uh, who uh, of, a, of, a, of a little church up in Chicago called Willow Creek Community Church. And um, we had joined their fledgling movement called the Willow Creek Association. Did anybody, any members of, the, of that association here today? Uh, network of over t- uh, 20,000 churches across the world and uh, but this was uh, kind of a new movement in the 90s and they called and said Jim would you be willing to do an experiment with us as you know if you if you've been know anything about Willow Creek it's one of the things that it has done over the years it's it's a conference provider and uh, they have no, done a number of conferences they they're the, the world class conference provider for for churches and uh, there's uh, the best one or the largest one, the most significant one they do is a thing called the Leadership Summit. Anybody been to a Leadership Summit? And so, uh, and every August, and they started this in the early 90s, every August they would have this summit three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, just focusing on leadership. A lot like what we've done here. As a matter of fact, this reminds me a lot, Dean, of, on a smaller scale of what the Leadership Summit's all about. And we would bring in the best leaders from all disciplines, the government, from military, business, church leaders, to see what could we learn or what could they learn what can we learn from leaders in every discipline some christians some not christians but what can we learn from leaders uh, that can help us be better church leaders a lot of what dean the kind of stuff that dean has shared professors from harvard and president of the united states and john Ma- maxwell and people like that and so uh, after about 4 years of that they totally maxed out their 4500 seat auditorium and so they called me and said, Jim, would you be willing to be one of five churches across the country that would be willing to host our Leadership Summit for, with a live satellite feed to your place in Colorado so that the local church leaders in Colorado can come there instead of Chicago, say so it would be a lot less expensive, and um, we can extend this conference across the country this way. Now today, in, in 2010, that doesn't sound like a dramatic idea, but in the mid-1990s, that was a radical concept, especially for a church, to do something like that. And so we were sitting in our new uh, 1,200 seat auditorium and um, I said, sure, we'd be glad to do that. And so we hosted that in 1996 and uh, I'm sitting in the auditorium with several hundred church leaders from from, uh, Colorado in my new facility and I'm watching the screen and I'm watching them and I'm watching the screen and I'm thinking, this is working. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, a teaching content. Worship over video live from satellite through a satellite feed. We're experiencing it in Chicago, and God is working. And I'm thinking, I wonder, I had this crazy idea, I wonder if this could work every week for us as a church. And so I went to my elders my, uh, a couple weeks after that conference and said, um, you know, we uh, just hosted this summit, uh, satellite feed from Chicago, uh, big screens, you know, in the auditorium, and... and uh, uh, I got to thinking, now parenthesis here, we've been wrestling with what do we do with all of our growth. Someone in our church uh, had uh, offered, a builder in our church had offered us, had some land about 10 miles north of Colorado Springs towards Denver. You know, the Denver and Colorado Springs are growing together, you know. And uh, he said, Jim, I'd love to have, he'd love to give you a piece of land in that development to put a church in there, for you guys to put a church in there, a Woodman Valley Chapel church in there. And, uh, and so that was kind of sitting, on the table for us. So I went to the elders, and I said, you know that piece of land that's being offered to us up the road? Right next door to that piece of land, there's a school. Why don't we take our Saturday night service, a video of our Saturday night service, and put a pastor in that school and, sh- and send the video up there with him and have a church up there in that uh, a service up there, simultaneous service in the school of our service here on, from Saturday and Sunday, we'll do it there on Sunday, and have you know one church in two locations. And they responded the way all church people respond when they first hear this concept. Jim, what have you been smoking? <laughs> do you got? To, are you kidding? Who would want to go to a church and watch a video screen? 1995. Well, fast forward, um, 2010, only, 10, only 5 million people across the nation are doing that. The latest book on the multi site church uh, movement called the Multi Site Roadship, which I contributed to and uh, highlighted a number of churches around the country that I work with, they indicated that in, on any given Sunday in 2009, over 5 million people were attending a multi campus church somewhere across North America. 10% of all Protestant churchgoers attend now a multi campus church. My elders said back in the mid-90s, who would want to go to church and watch a video screen? <laughs> but in my mind, I, uh, uh, I, in my heart, I thought, I think this is the right idea. It just needs a little more time for it to, to grow. By the way, today, uh, LifeWay Research, uh, LifeWay Research is the, the research and arm of the Southern Baptist, uh, did a survey in, ni- in 2008, two years ago. And they surveyed pastors, and here's what they surfaced. They, di- they discovered that 45,000 church leaders, 45,000 church leaders indicate that they will be starting a campus or worship service off campus in the next two years. 45,000. Leadership Network, uh, the organization of Bob Buford, the halftime organization who is always looking for innovation in the church and getting innovators together, uh, has concluded that among healthy, growing churches, that 20% of all the churches in America today, of the 350,000 plus churches, 20% are considered healthy and growing. Among those, they are either already multi-site, planning on going multi-site, or they're thinking about it. You know what I call that? Job security for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Outreach Magazine, great magazine I recommend to you, uh, all about. A magazine it's all about ideas from churches around the country of how they are reaching more people in the summer of 2007 they said that multi-site the multi-site idea is no longer a trend it's the new normal mm-hmm. and just kinda of one wrap one final nail in the coffin on this topic or in terms of its of, uh, how mainstreamed it's become this is a December issue of USA Today newspaper I, I, I travel every week somewhere And this is the one day I had to go buy this because I wasn't flying that day. It hurt me to pay a dollar for this newspaper because it's free everywhere in the hotels, you know. But the front cover of USA Today, December 17th, 2009, two months ago, front cover, new face of evangelism, one church, multiple sites. And then a long story about a number of churches, some of my client churches who um, are telling their story about multi-site. So I'm with my elders and I'm thinking, This is is the right idea. It just needs some more time to to develop and to to be seated. And so uh, we began down this path. And this video that I didn't show you, was a year later. I'm standing out on this piece of property that was available at a very good price and uh, casting the vision for a new way of doing and thinking, thinking and doing church. As we approach the 21st century, I was saying in this video, uh, we need to think beyond the walls of one campus, beyond the walls of our conventional thinking. That um, uh, not about, uh, um, uh, It's about extending our church, about making our church available uh, to more people uh, in our community. And so anyway, that's where my journey began. And uh, it led me to, um, we, we eventually bought that property and today we're uh, sitting on this piece of land. There's a, a, a facility there with over a 1,000 people attending but that journey be- got me invited in the year 2000 to come uh, very reluctantly and kicking and screaming to Chicago. Who would want to go to, from Colorado to Chicago, right? And uh, when I went to Chicago and people said, so Jim, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Colorado. And if they would immediately start saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you left Colorado for here. And then if they were believers, they would say, it's a God thing, right? It's a God thing, <laughs> right? Yeah. And um, But anyway, I went to Chicago in the year 2000 to... Uh, uh, at the invitation of Bill Hybels and the team there to come and pioneer this idea, this one church, multiple campuses. And over the next five years, we launched four different, uh, I, I launched four campuses, I led those campuses, I oversaw the, uh, the others as we were leading, launching these other ones. And fi- within five years, we launched four campuses across the Chicagoland area. Now, Chicagoland is, is the, f- the term they use in the a- area. Anybody from that area, Chicagoland? Any f- Chicagolanders here? Where are you from? Aurora, yeah, one of the many suburbs of Chicago Ed. Only 8.5 million people in, across Chicago Ed. Third largest city in America. Great city. But we launched four different campuses around that area. And today, uh, you know, 10 years later, uh, nearly a third of all the people who attend Willow Creek attend at one of those other locations. 25,000 total people plus people. <coughs> Until recently, most of those in those other locations had never been to the original campus. They had a big gathering this past year for their 30th anniversary, 33rd anniversary, at, back at the original campus. All that to say is that uh, as that was unfolding, there were, a lot of, there were other churches uh, across the country, other church leaders, some innovative church leaders, that were beginning to stumble upon this idea as well. Specifically, of using the video technology to extend themselves across their region or their state or whatever. And uh, we were all invited, the early pioneers, we were invited to a gathering in Chicago to talk about this idea. Uh, We were all just, we're talking about it and beginning some baby steps in this direction. Uh, Leadership Network, Bob Buford's organization invited us to meet together. Uh, It was on 9-11. I remember that day very well, as we all do. About half the people invited weren't there because of the event. Um, But about 100 of us were there in the room who either lived there or had come in the day before. And uh, we were asking the question, can this model work? And here's here's some of the people who were in the room. Churches I'd never heard of before. Seacoast Church. Greg Surratt and his team from Charleston, South Carolina. Church I'd never heard of before. Life Church out of Oklahoma City. It wasn't LifeChurch.tv then. It was just Life Church. Uh, Craig Rochelle, and his folks. Dave Ferguson pastor of a church in the the Chicago area where we actually had the meeting, Community Christian Church in Naperville. Uh, Dave uh, Dave Browning up in Washington State, uh, Christ the King Church. And uh, Larry Osborne over in Vista, California, um, New Coast Church. Now you may or may not have heard of these churches, but uh, these were some of the early pioneers and we were all asking the question, can this model work? of one church, many locations using the technology specifically. You know, in the past, we've had a few churches that were two or three campuses, you know, where a pastor would have a, camp, a, a campus here and he'd get in his car and drive over here real quickly and drive over here a third place real quickly, you know, and kind of, j- you know, juggle that. Some of you might have done that in the past. Or if you were in Texas, you would just helicopter from one to the other. But, um, but the idea of using video, that was a new idea and a real question mark, will this work? Today, it's working. Nobody's asking that question, can it work? It's working. Over 3,000 churches across the United States and, or, and Canada are now have in some kind of version or form of a multi-campus church. 47 out of 50 states all have multi-site churches. Four, uh, four out of the, uh, f- uh, seven out of the nine provinces of Canada have multi-site churches. It's working. I'm getting calls now from Europe and South Africa, from church leaders there who are saying, this we think is a, is a, t- a model that we could use and would be helpful to us. And so uh, it's a great privilege to be invited here with you today to talk about this. Um, if you are a healthy growing church, you're, if you're not already doing it, you're thinking about it. And I, l- I appreciate the invitation to Dean to come and even if, you're th- if this is not in your future and you, you've already decided this is not for us, at least understand why you're saying no to it. And uh, um, But um, if there's a tool that God puts in our hands that can enhance and multiply your ministry, it's worth evaluating, is it right for us? And that's the question now, not can it work, it works. Is it right for us? And if it is, how do you do it? And that's what's keeping me busy these days. And I have a team of associates now of practitioners who are doing multi-site church across the country in their churches and who help me uh, just to carry the the avalanche of requests help on how to do this. I like to tell people I've paid the stupid tax. <laughs> I've been a practitioner. I've been a pastor for 30 years. I've, I've had great, by God's grace, church pastoral experience uh, in high-profile churches. And then I led this effort as an associate in a bigger church than my church. It was in Colorado and actually launched campuses and oversaw campuses. And, um, and now I have devoted myself for the last five years to uh, serve the body of Christ across the country and now it looks like around the, outside the country to help churches develop, decide if this is right for them and if it is, to help them save a lot of time and money by bringing my depth of experience that I've had and learning through the, all my, my own mistakes and the breadth of other people's experience that I've been able to, to gain from working with so many of them across the country now. I like to say I've paid the stupid tax, and you can pay me, and it'll be a whole lot less, or you can pay the stupid tax and, uh, yourself, and it'll be a whole lot more in the long run. And, um, but I also had the breadth of that experience of other people's uh, experience that I have the opportunity and privilege to work with. Now, um, what I'd like to do what I want to do with you if we have our, is our PowerPoint going to work at all? the uh i see my computer is gone so uh, <laughs> that means it's not going to work right um, yeah, that's what okay said, the problem was the computer ah okay i took it off of the plane the other day and as i opened it up the whole laptop the the top piece just fell apart in my lap so uh, oh. and i'm traveling with this thing you know it was working this morning um, they were supposed to br- come and repair it yesterday dell but the snow delayed the part so uh, Dog. This is the one lesson about uh, multi-site. Technology is a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Let me give you five real observations quickly about multi-site. One is is that um, technology is a nightmare. Um, It all rises or falls on a campus pastor on leadership. That's what we were learning about today. Growing churches and certainly multi-site churches will ch- go through a reorganizational structure, a reorg at least once a year. In spite of all that, it's worth it. You don't find many churches that said tried it and gave up on it. Now, what I wanna share with you this in this first session was um, should my church go multi-site? Before we do that, let's, we've been sitting for a while. Well, we had a little bit of a break there, didn't we? But let me ask you a question. There's two kinds of two people in the world. There are those of you who are uh, morning people and, so, and others who are night people. How many morning people do we have here? All right. How many night people? Just put your head on the table. Go ahead. Just yeah. put, <laughs> and, uh, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are uh, extroverts and introverts. How many extroverts do we have here? Just raise both hands. Okay. Good, good. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, uh, I guess the rest of you were, I won't embarrass you to raise your hand. So, uh, extroverts, (laughs) introverts. Two kinds of people in the world there are huggers and non huggers. All the huggers, would you just stand for a minute? Just go ahead and stand, just stand. All right, go ahead and find somebody. Okay, all right, that's enough hugging. It's okay now? Okay, um, I just bought some time. I think they fixed it. We'll see. Uh, Now, I know all you non-huggers were saying, don't touch me, don't touch me. So, uh, uh, um, what I want to say is that there are two kinds of churches in the world. There are multiplying churches, and there are dying churches. Which one are you? I'm going to talk to you about multi-site church, but the issue isn't multi-site church planning, which is better, whatever. It's being a multiplying, reproducing church. That's why I'm passionate about what I do. It's all about how to reproduce what God is doing in your church and through your church. And that's what we're supposed to be all about, multiplying disciples, right?
1: Right.
0: And uh, what I love about this conference and what's going on here is that uh, I love how Dean takes Uh, his business experience and distills it through a kingdom uh, grid, a biblical grid. And he takes business language and business truth, because all truth is God's truth, right? And he distills it through a (coughs) biblical framework and grid and then breaks it down to help local church leaders who don't know and live in that world and brings it to you to help you be a more effective leader. I love that about David. Do you agree with that? Now, because, you know, and some people say, well, we're not a business, we're a church. No, we are in God's business. The church is God's business. And uh, uh, it ought to be the best led and the best run business in the world. It ought to be the model that others follow. Now, the church is God's business. Uh, he's, bring, he's in the work of bringing about his kingdom on earth, taking back enemy occupied territory. And the church is the point of the spear of the kingdom. And you are church leaders, and so we want to be the best leaders we can be and we want to reproduce and multiply what we're about now let's see if we have do uh, we see if we have my video here the very first uh, can you uh Make it go. <laughs> Here we go. In my very first launch of our first campus in Chicago, grand opening, grand opening. And uh, first service went well, it was, a, it, was a, it was a satellite feed from South Barrington to Wheaton, 45 minutes away. And Kurt Warner, don't you love Kurt Warner, was our guest speak? Yes. he was our guest that day. He had just lost the Super Bowl the first time. And uh, we loved Kurt Warner in Phoenix. We're grieving over his retirement. But um, second, first service went fine, second service, satellite, sunspots, sh- is gone. Just like today, right? So, do uh, we have it or not? Somewhere in my talk, if it just pops up there, we'll know it, ha- it arrived, <laughs> right? Should my church go multi site? I think there's a, there's a lot of ba- passages of scripture that uh, can reinforce this model, but I think that the verse of scripture that has I have really, uh, feel gives a foundation for this whole concept is Genesis 1, where it says, uh, uh, God blessed them, talking about Adam and Eve, blessed them. In we go. It's a, of a, of a and three Some volume. and, a of and to start a church and Woodman Valley Chapel was born. It was a strategic step, being located at the gateway of what would become the rock women, mountain shadows, and Peregrine communities. Today in 1997, Woodman Valley Chapel has grown to a mighty force of over 4,000 people and we are standing again on the threshold of another bold strategic decision. I'm standing here on 63 acres of lane at the corner of Woodman and Powers. This land is prime real estate, and it's at the gateway of the new growth of the city, and it's available to us for a phenomenal price. Recently, our elder body and pastors and church leaders interacted with the recommendations of our dream team. And then we set aside a month to pray and to fast about our future plans of the church. At the end of the month, we concluded unanimously that it was time for Woodman Valley Chapel to expand beyond the walls of our current location not abandoning our current campus but expanding it not relocating our current ministry but extending it not planting a new church but spreading the existing one. the idea is a radical one but as we approach the 21st century it's time to be bold and to lead the way the concept is simple one congregation two locations one philosophy and style of ministry two locations one staff Two locations. You know one of the reasons why Woodman Valley Chapel has grown is because of our willingness to be to offer multiple services on multiple days with a multiple staff. Now it's time for multiple campuses. We have worked very hard at Woodman to build our ministry around our purpose and our philosophy, not around a program or a personality. Our vision is to impact Colorado Springs and beyond by transforming people into fully devoted followers of Christ. And if we're going to do that, we must be willing to look beyond the walls of our current campus, beyond our conventional ways of doing things, beyond what we can do in our own power and look to what God can do through us if we will step out in faith and trust Him. And with God, all things are possible. Boy, there's a good-looking guy, wasn't it? Kind of makes you homesick, doesn't it, Mark? Miss those mountains, don't you, um, today. Anyway, that was worth the wait, wasn't it? Do, do we have any more? Uh, am I going to be able to keep going through this? Maybe so, yeah. Okay. Um, I think we'll... Um, I don't know if we have anything there. We, can, we don't need to have the... Let's go to the next slide, yeah. Should my church go multi-site? God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, I believe that is the principle that God, the divine principle and mandate for every living thing that God has put on this earth. That's his original plan, every living thing, to be a blessing, to be fruitful, and to multiply. This is before the fall, but I still think this principle is at work. And certainly the church, the body of Christ, your local congregation expression of the larger body of Christ, I believe it's God's desire for every local church to be a blessing. First of all, to be blessed. So that you can be a blessing. And so that you can, and then if you're a blessing, to be fruitful. And if you're fruitful, why would you want to hoard that to yourself? Multiply, reproduce. That's God's plan and desire for every one of your congregations. Now, I think in those three words are a great... uh, questions to ask, is it right for my church? Knowing that's his desire for your church. How many of you agree that's his, your desire for every church? Okay. All right, so that's okay. Is my church blessed? So ask yourself this question to yourself. Is my church a blessed church? Well, what's a blessed church look like? Well, here's a few words. Is it healthy? Does it have a clear vision of why you exist? Do you have a unified leadership team? Do you have... Um, are you uh, is it free of internal conflict? It's not consumed with internal conflict. There's always conflicts in churches, but not consumed with internal conflict. Is it is it relationship rich? That's a healthy church. That's the kind of church I want to be part of, don't you?
1: Yes.
0: Are you healthy? Secondly, are you a life-giving church? Do people is it a church that's energizing, that's uh, uplifting, that's inspiring, that people, uh, when they come, they don't want to leave because they enjoy being there and being with the people there. Uh, Is your church life-giving or is it taking, sucking life (coughs) for people? Do people leave filled up and inspired and ready to go for another week in the world? Or they leave down and not helped? Uh, Life-giving. Is your church a life-giving church? Another question, another category, uh, characteristic is it a well-resourced church? That is, are do you have is your church full of generous people, generous with their time, with their talents, with their treasure? Not just talking about financially well-resourced, but giftedness and talent and skills, and willing to be generous with all that. That's a well-resourced church. Is yours? Um, You may be in a very poor area, but you can be a well-resourced church. Um, Does it have a good reputation in the community? Has God given you favor in your community? Let me ask you this question. If your church were to disappear tomorrow, would anybody notice? (laughs) Would it be missed? I want to believe that for the vast majority of you that your church is so valued and so appreciated in your community uh, that it would be missed. But you ask yourself those questions. This is a self-test. Is my church hit those or come close on a lot of those? Because the reality is going multi-site is if your church is broken, in decline, uh, going multi-site is not gonna turn you around. You see, m- going multi-site is for healthy churches. And here's the here's kind of the, the punchline. Multi-site is a is not a tool to turn around a church, but it can be an instrument to extend a healthy one. How about extending a healthy church? If you're sick and broken, don't spread the disease. (coughs) Get healthy and then spread it, You know, extend yourself. All right, are are you a blessed church? Now, a lot of churches, that's as far as they go. They're blessed and they just kinda sit on the blessing and hold it to themselves. We we love coming together and just be a holy huddle, you know, that kind of thing. Let me ask you this question. Let's talk about, let's see if I have a video here. Some of you know Seacoast Church up in Charleston, one of the leading multi-site churches, one of the early pioneers. They have about 18 campuses all over South Carolina, one in Georgia, one in Tennessee, uh, North Carolina, I think. Let's see if we have this.
2: Charleston, South yeah. Carolina, Seacoast Church. Now you may not have heard of Seacoast Church, but it is one of the most exciting
3: and innovative churches <coughs> in the entire country. Seacoast Church, in just a few years, has gone from a congregation of a couple thousand people to a, a church that is revolutionizing the entire state of South Carolina. And you don't have to take my word for it. Let's talk to Greg Surratt, senior pastor of Seacoast Church. Greg, would you just kind of walk us
4: through your story of how you kind of found your way into being a multi-site church? Sure. So we don't feel very innovative. Uh, basically, any innovative innovations that we have were birthed out of necessity. We were going to build an auditorium that would seat uh, about 4,000 people, and we bought enough land and what have you to do that, and uh, a group that uh, were anti-growth in our community, which I understand some of that, uh, really politically rallied against uh, us being able to build the facility. And so with that, we thought it was the end of the world, and actually it wasn't. It was the beginning of what God wanted to do. Uh, We have launched 10 sites. Uh, we have increased church attendance by well over double and not built buildings, and uh, uh, just seen hundreds and hundreds of people come to Christ, which has been phenomenal. Uh, we, we believe that, uh, let me tell you, one of our volunteers a few years ago gave me a plaque that said the only limits are those in vision. And until we launched into to multi-site, I'm not sure I saw the fulfillment of that. But now, um, our, our vision is limited by buildings, and it's unlimited what God wants to do. Um,
2: to me, it's, it's not that
0: different, because what, if, even here, when the pastor's on site, there's big screens. <laughs> so part of the time, you're looking at that anyway. But yeah. it, to me, it's not different to be in a video um, screen. Some of my friends will say, well, why don't you just watch it on TV somewhere? You know, But it's not the same.
2: It's, it's a church that cares about you.
3: Hey, what's going on? My name is Jim Miles here at Seacoast Church. And uh, I'm actually the right person to ask about multi-site because I'm a pastor of a venue here at Seacoast called Family Life. And we run a total video venue. So we get the live message from Pastor Greg. And uh, I'll be honest, it was kind of a transition there for the first couple of weeks. But um, now it's a freedom for us, to be honest with you. People are dialed into the message. Greg makes jokes and welcomes us from the main uh, service, which happens six hours before our service starts. Um, it's really amazing um, the seamless flow of video. It seems funny when you think about it, but it works. It works. It works. Take it from me. And actually, if you want to know the truth, it frees me up pastor-wise to be able to care for, love, um, plan outstanding openings and closes to the service. They,
1: they come together as a church. That that feeling is there. They they it's know why they're there, and they come together as that church and they're getting a message, you know, by video. And I, I, I think that that um, instead of looking at it as a negative, that they're not sitting in front of a live pastor, they're looking at it, wow, this great opportunity to hear this sort wonderful message, and they're building, they're building fellowship. All
3: right, here's an encouragement for the chapel. Go for it, man. Get on the bandwagon. Multi-site is the future of doing church. I really do believe that.
4: We're excited about the fact that the chapel is launching out. I think it's going to become one of the leaders uh, in this whole uh, movement of reaching more people for Christ in creative ways. We're excited uh, for you guys, and uh, we just pray God's blessing on
3: what you're going to do. They have seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come to Christ all across South Carolina, and they believe that God is gonna bring a spiritual revolution to South Carolina through
0: Seacoast Church. Hallelujah. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, Two Colorado boys, uh, Greg and Jeff, his brother, started that church about, I guess, 15, 18 years ago, from Colorado, and um, AG, both were, their dad was an AG pastor, and, uh, a great church, great church is a great example of, of an effective multi-site church. Rick Warren went to their church, you know, Rick Warren, and saw that and said, you've done a model that any church can follow now, I'm in now. And so uh, his church, this was several years ago, it has a goal of 10 campuses across Southern California. Now, by the way, what I love about Seacoast Church as they, this is about four years old, that video, where they were preparing that for one of my clients, the chapel, which we'll hear from them in a minute, in Chicago, uh, they've, while they've launched, I think have about 18 campuses now, there's like 10 on that one, across South Carolina, they've also launched over 50 church plants across the nation, many of them in South Carolina. So it's not an either or situation, it's all about being a reproducing, multiplying church. One track is do multi campuses, which, is one track, another track is church planting. Both are needed and important and both have a different process, but at at the end of the day, they have the same outcome. There's a new congregation that exists in the community that didn't have that congregation before. At the end of the day, it's all about new churches, right? And we know that new churches reach more people better, faster, cheaper than existing churches. Because if they don't reach some people in the first several years, they go out of business. (laughs) But what happens many times in a local church is that we get a church started, then we get a handful of people, and then we get all consumed. With ha- taking care of those folks, and we and we lose, it's easy to default away from <coughs> keeping our focus out there on the people who need our church, and more importantly, need need God in their life. Now, um, uh, so a good example of a church that was blessed and uh, and found themselves restricted by zoning laws. They were going to build a big mega campus, and the local community raised up and said, "No, we're not going to let you do that." The local, you know, uh, political uh, leaders, and uh, and shut them down, wouldn't allow them to do that. And so they, as he, as Greg kind of alluded to, they had to get creative. And see, this started the multi-site church model started as a as a band aid for mega churches who found themselves out of room, like like myself, or like or re- zoning restrictions, which is increasingly happening around the country. And uh, and they've got great things going on there. They're drawing great crowds and. For circumstances beyond their control, they were unable to expand anymore. So, this started as a band aid for megachurches. What quickly happened as we got into this movement is that this is, it moved way beyond a band aid for megachurches out of space or having zoning restrictions, that any healthy, growing church can be a multi site church. As a matter of fact, of the 3,000 plus churches around the country that are multi site today, only about a fourth of those are, quote, megachurches 2,000 or more people on a weekend service. Started out to be a big church uh, band-aid, it became a healthy church strategy. Your church, regardless of size—200, 2,000, 20,000—can be a multi-site church. One of my associates is a guy named Charles Hill. Charles Hill went to Ohio back uh, early this this decade, and uh, London, Loudonville, Ohio. Anybody know where that is? You're the only person that have <laughs> ever had, has known that besides. Where is that? Uh, It's way out in the sticks. (laughs) It's a small rural town in Ohio. He went there and over the seven years that he was there, it grew from 300 to 600 to 900 to over 1,000 people in three different locations. Every time they got to about 300, they launched another campus in the next town, in the next town. And uh, one church, three locations. And not only that, they had a, a fourth location in China his dad, his parents, Charles's parents, are business people in China. They have a house church in China. And so they send the video every week and they do church in China. So they're a four campus church from Loudonville, Ohio. One church, four locations, over a thousand plus people you know, in Ohio attending in a small rural church community, a rural community. He was so effective at this and so excited about it that he created a, a, a seminar called Church in the Sticks. And it's for churches, <laughs> small churches in the rural communities who have a vision to reach their communities, to be a reproducing, multiplying church. And so it's two or three times a year. He has a big conference, and there are a lot of guys like Charles who are doing this in small areas. And what I love about the, rural, about the multi-site model is that this brings hope to the, ru- the abandoned rural backwaters backwood- of our country that often cannot sustain a healthy church. They don't have the resources. They don't have the preachers. If you're a good preacher in the the rural community, what happens? Some suburban big church picks you off and and hires you, brings you in, right? And so, but they have a lot of good pastors and and shepherds and leaders and technical people and musicians in the rural areas. But often there's a lacking of uh, good preaching in those areas because they can't sustain those. This offers hope for them. And uh, Charles is on my team now and um, uh, he actually has left Ohio. Well, I mean, he left to go now. He's doing this all over again in Utah outside of Salt Lake, very tough area. And, uh, but God's gonna use them greatly. So is your church, is my church fruitful? So you're a blessed church, but are you a fruitful church? What's a, what's a way to evaluate that? Um, do you have effective ministries? I love what you were sharing today, Dean, all about this, this process here, this process. Do you have ministries? Churches have got to give people next steps. You gotta help people, next steps is a big question to put in your church strategy. How do you help people go from far from God to just get into your front door? And then how do you go when they're, they're seeking or they're exploring and you help them through the next step? And then those who are new believers, what's their next step? And then for those who are maturing believers, what's their next step? We, we gotta be creating processes to take people through. Do you have a discipleship process? It's not just about getting a big crowd. We can get big crowds, but are you taking growing people? Have you developed strategies and ministries through your church to help people through their their spiritual journey? Uh, Is it effective? Are are you reaching people? Are people far from God stumbling into your church or coming into your church? Uh, Are are, are there stories of life change? Are people being saved? Are are marriages being healed? Are families getting put back together? Um, Are makeovers? (laughs) happening your, through your church. Life makeovers. Uh, are you baptizing people? The vast majority of churches never baptize anybody. That's one of the first fruits of a, of a growing, uh, outreaching church. Is your church outreach oriented? Is it externally focused? Good. Those are some of the characteristics of a, are you reaching people? The experts say that a church that's, a growing church is defined as a church that grows at least 5% a year. That's not very much, is it? Most churches don't even grow that much. If you're 5% or more growing a, a, in a year, if you had 100 people last year and you had 105 this year, you're considered a growing church. And, uh, but most churches aren't even having that ex- kind of experience. 80% of all the churches in America today are, uh, by all the experts, have plateaued, or they're dead or dying. never get past, break past 200 in attendance. Um, 200 seems to be a barrier that most churches have a hard time breaking through. There's something about it, there's a critical mass that happens when you break through 200. This is my opinion, my experience has been if you don't break 200 people in two years, you never will with the current leadership. And so if you're stuck at 200 and you've been there for 10 years, get some help. Join another church in the area, be a multi-campus, a campus of that church. Or uh, bring somebody in that, to help you with, uh, with, uh, with how to break through that barrier. Why? Because I believe God's desire for every living thing is to be blessed, to be fruitful, to multiply. Amen. And um, you know, the church in Jerusalem was the first megachurch. You read at it, the numbers there, it was over 30,000 people plus their children and family you know all that you add up all that you know it talks about uh, you know the book of acts records five thousand men and their wives and children ten thousand and their wives and children in the jerusalem one church the church of jerusalem they all met in house camp congregations now um, is your church a fruitful church if you're seeing at least five percent growth in your year you're moving in that direction um, if you're reaching people effective ministry so as I'm going through this, I'm just kind of, I'm highlighting different stories here. I think, let's see if we have another, uh, yeah. The chapel I mentioned to you, the young, the, there's a guy that you just saw in the last uh, video. He's a pastor, a co-pastor of a church in Chicago that went multi-site. And here's how they rolled this out to their congregation three years ago. They were a church of about 3,000 at the time. Now they're over 6,000, four locations. And um, the chapel in Lake County and we don't have sound, so we'll we'll come back to that. Okay, just just run it when you get it. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'll get out here and uh, let's see here if we can. Can my church multiply? God's desire for your church is to be a blessing, so that you can bless others, to be fruitful. Can it multiply? Here's a couple questions. Does your facility, is your facility where you meet on Sunday mornings, is it 80% full? And here's the key thing not on all services, but at the optimal inviting hour. What hour is that? What's the optimal inviting hour? That is uh, the hour that unchurched people most likely will come to your church. What time is that? 11 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock maybe, for those of you who have a 10 o'clock service. Would we all agree in your experience that your, your largest service typically is that later Sunday morning service? Yeah. Why is that? That's pretty universal across our country for sure. It's because uh, those who, um, visitors who are looking for church or whatever, especially if they're far from God, they're, uh, they're sleeping in on Sunday morning, aren't they? Because they've been doing something Saturday night, probably, out late. That's why you can add a nine o'clock service, which I recommend doing that before you go multi-site if you're not already doing that. Maybe even a, a eight thirty service and ten o'clock service and you know eleven thirty. You know all kinds of dilemmas, uh, options like that. But you mess with that ten to eleven o'clock time frame, and you're just gonna, you're never gonna be eighty percent full on those. Maybe on Easter uh, on those mornings. But um, and so you can add services, and I recommend that. To churches as they think about going multi-site but that's not going to be the long-term solution and so if you're 80 percent full in your main hour you're full there's not a lot there's no more room for people who are looking and uh, uh to a church by the way you know these mega churches that um and i love mega churches i've been a mega church pastor i've i've worked with mostly mega churches and my other associates work with a lot of the smaller churches but um People don't go to mega churches because they're big. They go in spite of it. Wow. See, the only people the people who like big churches is pastors and worship leaders. We like it big. <laughs> we like it big. But the rank and file, they put up with that. Yeah. They put up with the crowds, the parking, the hassles, the overwhelming rooms for their children when they walk in and there's, you know, all these kids and, and, and it's intimidating to little kids coming in, all these strange we think that's, they love that, no, they put up with that. Why? Because they love your preaching, they love the worship, they love the children's programs that are offered, all those sort of things that a big church can do, but they don't go because they're big. Matter of fact, the surveys of, of, of church attenders, and they ask them, um, describe for us or, or tell us what is the, in your opinion, what is the ideal size of a church? What do you think they say? What do you think the average churchgoer says is the ideal size? A thousand?
3: Two-fifty?
0: Two-hundred. Two-hundred is the overwhelming response. About two-hundred, yeah. Now, you ask those same people, describe for us the ideal church. What do they, what do they describe? A mega-church. Mega <laughs> what do they want? Oh, we want inspiring preaching you know, inspired, uh, wonderful worship, uh, great children's programs, you know, all that. We know a church of 200 can't do all that. This is why multi-site is so compelling. A multi-site church can be big and small at the same time. Which is, which is healthy in the long run? One campus of 10,000 people, that's what we have at Willow Creek, actually 15,000 people. Or 10 campuses of 1,000. I remember having a conversation with Max Lucato. We all know Max Lucato, his, uh, you know, the great Christian writer and pastor in San Antonio, Texas. About five years ago, he called me and said, "Jim, we have uh, filled up our 5,000-seat auditorium. We have 5,000 uh, uh, or uh, multiple services, 5,000 on our weekend services. We have a multi-purpose room. When we built it, we have paid it off. We have 5,000 on, the, on the Sunday mornings attending. Our g- long-term plan was to have a 10 million-dollar it was a $10 million project to build a sanctuary on this location. That would be a permanent, you know, sanctuary, not just a multi-purpose room. And, um, and that was our game plan. And we had the room, we just... But, now, but a year ago, we started our second campus on the other side of town, and it doubled from 250 to 500 people in one year. And so if you're in my shoes, Jim, and you had $10 million, and uh, you were going to... Um, uh, and you had the option either to buy, to build, you know, a $10 million facility here, would you, would you spend that on this location, or would you take that money and spend it on multiple locations around the, the city?" And I said, Max, you're asking me, I'm the multi-site guy. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. And I said, let me answer your question with a question. Max, what do you want to be? Do you want to be an elephant? Elephants are big. They make a big splash. They're impressive. But one poison dart in a vulnerable place can bring the whole thing down. Or do you want to be a virus? Viruses, you can chop it off here, and it just springs up somewhere else. And, and viruses spread. And uh, they're, they're unstoppable. They're hard to stop. So what do you want to be, Max? An elephant or a, a virus? He goes, ooh, I like talking to people who reinforce my biases. I didn't want to build that big old church anyway. And, uh, <laughs> Now, at the end of the day, he's got a big church in one location. He's got several other campuses around San Antonio. <coughs> because what's, a, what's more sustainable in the long run? One huge big campus or several medium or smaller size campuses around a community. You see, I, I've been, I'm a baby boomer megachurch pastor. That has been my life experience, and I loved my experience in Colorado. And... Um, then I went to Chicago to one of the largest churches in the country, but there's, and I work with a lot of these churches across the country who are in this transition. Because in my generation, which is, I see some of you are in my generation, um, the only option we had, if you had, a, if you had a gifted teacher and a gifted leader that was drawing crowds, and not only drawing crowds, but was discipling them and you know, holding to them and growing them, sooner or later, what are you gonna do with someone, what are you gonna do with a Rick Warren or a Bill Hybels or a Pastor Cho in Korea? and these others, when they had that gifts, are you you going to contain them to a box of 500 seats when their capacity is far more than that, right? You know, and all of us have, some, are one, some of us are one talent, three talent, five talent. That's a Holy Spirit distribution th- uh, system, uh, you know? And uh, uh, that was the only option we had, is those individuals buy land, build buildings. And a lot of us weren't really thinking about what happens when we die, these bu- buildings, or something worse, you know? Uh, and so in the next decade, we're going to have a lot of large, super mega campuses sitting half empty. Because the next generation doesn't want them. And if they're that good to fill those facilities when this dynamic, you know, charismatic senior pastor, founder, pastor, it, you know retires or moves off the scene, if they're that good to build something that big or to have something that big, they're already building there somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to have a lot of half empty f- facilities, I believe in the next decade or so. What is the best stewardship of the resources that God has given you? What's more sustainable in the long run? One campus of 10,000 or 10 campuses of 1,000? Or one campus of 5,000 or or 10 campuses of 500? In the long run. Community, is your community 50% unchurched? (coughs) Is it? Is it here? Uh, According to Outreach Magazine, they do this survey every year. 83% of Americans, latest survey, you know, a year ago, unchurched, don't go to anybody's church. Nationwide average, 83%. We have 17% of people in America are regular churchgoers. We have a huge mission field. Some would say, some have said. We're the largest spe- English speaking mission nation in the world, second only to India and China, of the largest, you know, all the nations. Now, um, it's really easy to figure this out in your community. I, I lived in, I'm involved with Lake County in Chicago, is a good example. That's the northern county of Chicagoland. That's a county of 750,000 people, three quarters of a million people. There's about, not quite 400 churches, Protestant and Catholic, in that county. Now, according to uh, Life's Way, Ed Stetzer, the average church size in America, by the way, is 75 people, dropped from 100 a few years ago. Average church size. Now, let's say those 400 churches in Lake County, let's be really generous and give them 200 each, average. Not 75, but 200. So if you multiply 400 churches, which really isn't 400, but let's round it off, 400 churches times 200, it's hard for me to do math in public, but, uh, so you got your papers there. 400 times 200 is how many people unchurched on a given Sunday in Lake County, Chicago? What would that be? 80,000. And how many people live in that county? So how many people unchurched in that county? Almost 90%, isn't it? That's America today. Even here in the Bible Belt. In the Bible Belt, which I grew up in, my folks from Alabama, went to college down here, a little suburb down the road called Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> and uh, uh, there's enough churchy in, in, in the South to inoculate people against the real disease. You hear what I'm saying?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now the, the exciting thing I'm seeing is a whole other generation who've checked out a church in the last couple of generations who are discovering it for the first time. Yeah. That's a great opportunity.
1: Right.
0: And they're discovering better expressions of it by their peers who are starting these churches and that sort of thing. So that, the question is can my church multiply? Is your room, is your primary time full or close? Even more importantly, is your community, uh, is, your, is there a harvest field in your community? How many of you all agree we'd all agree with that? It's anywhere from 50% to 90%. Uh, I, I work with John Ortberg's church up in Menlo Park, California, the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, 93% unchurched. We have a great opportunity, don't we? Amen. Can my church multiply? Let's see. Multisite is not a fad to jump on, but a proven strategy to reproduce healthy, fruitful churches. It's not for every church. If you're broken, dysfunctional, unhealthy, you're not ready to go multisite. You need to go to more courses with Dean and uh, get healthy, and then reproduce yourself. You don't have to be perfect, church. You don't have any perfect churches. But are you a healthy, growing church? Do you have have a a passion for the lost? Healthy, growing churches are either doing multi-site, planning on it, or they're thinking about it because this is a tool now that's in the toolbox that we didn't have 10 years ago. And it's become a proven tool.
3: Hey everybody, welcome to Oklahoma City and LifeChurch.tv. This is an incredible church that I'm so excited to introduce you to because they're one of the first that has really begun this thing called multi-site churches and then done a phenomenal job at it and really proven how effective it can be. Let me tell you Life Church's story. They began back in 1996. They just celebrated their 10-year anniversary. And Pastor Craig Groeschel was the founding pastor. He had about 100 people they met in a dance studio that they rented. Well, like our church, they saw the power of Jesus Christ beginning to transform lives. People started to come and the church started to grow and more and more people fell in love with the Lord. And then, wouldn't you know, in the year 2000, they outgrew their very first facility and they had a problem. They didn't know where to put the people. They were about 2,500 people in the year 2000. At that same time, Pastor Craig's wife had a baby on Sunday morning. You know, that always happens to us pastors. Right when you're supposed to preach, a disaster occurs. And he didn't know what to do. He says, Chase, I'm sorry, you're out of luck.
2: I've got to go do it with my wife. She's giving birth. And somebody said, hey, we got the video of you last night. Everybody's going to understand. We'll just tell them that, you know, Craig's had this baby, or at least Amy's had the baby, and they popped in the video. And to our amazement, uh, as many people raised their hands to accept Christ that week as they did any other week, and so we're born kind of the whole notion of doing video teaching at that point we were able to start having our uh, services at each campus at the same time and uh, it was it was pretty amazing to see what happened then not long after that another church in town saw what god was doing at life church and said you know what we have a vision to reach this city and uh, we think we could do it better with you guys and without you guys could we join what god's doing there and so we merged with another church today they've got seven different campuses five of them
3: in Oklahoma, two of them actually out of the state, one in Texas, one in Arizona. They have 31 different services every single uh, weekend. And they reach now a total of 15,000 people each weekend.
2: It is one of the more affordable ways to impact a large number of people. Um, It's just so much cheaper to start a new campus than to build a new building. Um, You know, we could go into a $40 million Building project to reach another 7,000 people, or we could take that 40 million dollars and plant 40 new campuses and get you know 1,000 people on each of those campuses. Uh, which one is better use of dollars? And I think it's the most cost of, the most cost effective way to grow a church in America today.
3: How many people do you think Life Church will be able to minister to in the years ahead?
2: Oh, that's, that's the potential is uh, impossible to, to calculate. Yeah. Um, Man, I think that I mean, we'll be ministering to 100,000 before long, um, and uh, it's it's going to blow us away how quickly that's going to get there. There are there, there are. It's uh, you know uh, it's one of those things that truly does become God's side. God. folks.
3: It is incredible to see just how powerful this multi-site strategy is, and how it can be a tool in the hands of God to expand the impact of the local church and to reach more people with the transforming truth of Jesus Christ.
4: Hi, my name is Craig Rochelle, and uh, I'm honored to pastor a multi-site church. And I just want to bring a word of encouragement to all of you at the chapel and tell you that God is going to exceed your expectations as you take a huge step of faith. I've had some time with uh, Scott and Jeff, and uh, you are led by awesome, awesome men of God with Jim Tomlin on the mix, and all that God has done in such a short period of time, I want to encourage you. It can be a little scary going multi-site. Buckle up your seatbelt, because you're going to see God do it more than you ever imagined. God bless you guys in an awesome way, as the chapel takes Jesus to the world. Hallelujah.
0: Are you getting a little excited about the potential? You can do this. Yes, you can. (laughs) We can do it. You can do this. Now, do we have, um, let me see if I can go back to catch one more interview, one more uh, story from another church here. Can we go back to the uh, middle there? Is your church a blessed church? Is it fruitful? Is it multiplying? If it is, why wouldn't you do this? And if you wouldn't do this, do something else that that is, if you can't find something, more, if you can find something more effective, then do that. I like to say to churches uh, who are, when I'm in, with them, I go to their nice campuses, and they've got nice facilities, and they've got a great staff team, and they've got the technology, and they've got influence in this city, and and I say to them, surely your vision is greater than just having a big campus. Surely it's bigger than that. When a lot of these young guys who build these big campuses and they are, move into them, and I, I meet with them, and I said, surely. Uh, is, your vision is more than just having a nice campus. Now you just join the other 1,500 megachurch campuses around the country. Now what are you gonna do with it? See, the goal, isn't, the goal of church ministry isn't to build a church building. Amen. It's to transform a community. Yeah. Amen. And, 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 to, and buildings are just tools now. They're good tools, they're important tools. But we have made that the, 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 the definition of success is a big building. It's just a vehicle. It's a vehicle for the good, the good news. And, uh, and when you think multi-site, when you start thinking beyond the walls of your current facility, every potential place with a roof in this community is a place for you to do church. That's why we have churches today that meet in bars, that meet in jails, that meet in YMCAs, in public schools, theaters, U.S. Navy ships, satellite feed. When you start thinking outside the box, it's unlimited where you can go and, uh, and where your church can go. And Now, the next session we're going to have after lunch, I want to talk to you about uh, some of the uh, best practices of succeeding multi-campus churches. Now, most of these are ones that whether you're multi-campus or not, you can benefit from in your situation. But I'm going to talk to you about, there's some, there's some things we've learned. Every multi-site church in America today, the 3,000 plus, is unique and different. There's not a one-size-fits-all. There's not a formula that they all follow. Everyone's unique, has a unique church print. But they all have, will all have to r- address what I call 10 basic questions. How they answer those questions and address those could be all over the map, and that's what I do with churches when I come in the first time, is let's talk about the issues you're going to have to walk through, the, the questions you're going to have to answer if you're going to go down the multi-site path. But um, um, all are unique and different, and I want to share with you, but there are, we, in the 10 years or so now that we've been in this movement, there's some best practices that are emerging. Here's, here is the, here's what these churches that are doing it well and being effective. Here's what we tend to see from them. I want to talk to you about that next. In our next session. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. And uh, well, hopefully we'll have some more. I like to f- uh, supplement along the way with stories from other churches and that sort of thing. Because that, that, to me, it's, it's all about the stories. It's the stories, yeah. isn't it? I can give you some help on steps and principles and uh, you know, some of the, avoid some of the, the minds of walking through the minefield of all this. But um, it's these powerful stories of other churches that are doing this. Now, let's give a hand to our great tech crew, because this is always a uh, challenge. You know, the technology is like our, is like our body plumbing. When it's run, running fine, nobody knows it, notices it. But when your body plumbing is not working, that's all you can think about. And uh, uh, it becomes the center of your attention. And so uh, it's, uh, uh, th- these things happen. Now, I have... 12.15, 15 minutes, we have these questions, uh, these cards that uh, you have on your tables there. If, if you wanna be thinking some questions, uh, hopefully a lot of those questions will, might get answered in my next session, but then those who don't, we will take them to our third session, which will be a panel with, um, uh, where we'll have a chance to do more Q&A with the audience using your questions. Uh, it'll be, I see myself will be on the panel, uh, Dean will f- facilitate this panel, myself will be on the panel, uh, JB is on on going to be on the panel as a, as a pastor who is planning on going multi-site. And then um, Mark, where's Mark? Mark Cowart will be on the panel to talk about, here's a, here's a pastor who's doing it and doing it very well and have had the privilege to work with Mark. So I think we're, we're about 15 minutes early. Nobody ever complains about when the pastor finishes a few minutes early. <laughs> Amen? I know it's hard for you pastors to believe that. But... Uh, um, you let them out five minutes early, and they thought you preached the best sermon that day. <laughs> and, uh, you go five minutes over, and you're going to be uh, eaten over on the over during meal. So, any final uh, instructions now, JB? You want to come up and? Hallelujah. It's great being with you. We'll see you after lunch. Okay.
1: Hallelujah.